great to see you all here tonight. Thank you for those of you that are joining us online this evening. We are continuing in our series, The Greatest Sermon Ever Preached. Um, there, we're on the last section of the Sermon on the Mount. We're in Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 7 through 11 is what we're going to look at uh, tonight. So let's begin with a word of prayer, if you don't mind. Father God, thank you so much for the tremendous privilege and opportunity we have to be here tonight. I thank you, Lord, for your love. I thank you for what we're going to study tonight, what we're going to look at tonight, uh, that you're a God that uh, uh, loves us, that hears us, and is constantly working on our behalf. What a tremendous truth. And I just pray, Father, that you'll bless now as we open your word and we look at it for these few moments. We study it, let it apply to our lives, and just give us a good night, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, is the table empty? Was, it, was the table back there empty? It's underneath the window. I didn't have it in the right place, as I, or as I normally do. So, uh, awesome. Ron found them. Good, good. Well, I was hoping it was empty, but uh, no, we have, we have enough. So. <laughs> so, absolutely. That's great. Uh, so, it's great to see you out this evening. Thank you for being here. As I said, we're in the last section of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And as we said last week, Jesus is challenging his listeners, and us of course, because we are his listeners here, to choose between obeying or disobeying God. That's really, remember, in the second section, he was, uh, he was dealing with uh, whether or not we should, were to please God or please man. Here he's just dealing with obedience, whether we obey God or we don't. And for the believer, we understand this involves humility, self-examination, and dependence on God uh, for everything. Last week... We looked, uh, uh, we, Jesus took us through the very difficult topic of judging others. And he used humor in doing that. Why in the world can you look at the speck in your brother's eye when you've got a two by four coming out of your own eye? And we went through that. And contrary to what most people believe, Jesus is not telling us not to judge, but rather to judge with the right heart and with the intent of helping others. So the idea of judging here is to uh, judge fellow believers in reference to the sin that is in their lives. And we are to come to them humbly and after much self-examination, ensuring that we are in a good standing with God so that we can help in, um, a fellow brother and sister in Christ. And I don't know, ladies, I hope you did. We had a really good discussion, men did, on this. And I think it's kind of the idea of the word judging for us. I think that word really sticks out as such a negative. And I, I just thought I'd come back this week just to make this statement. And the idea here is, is judging is just discerning that you actually see what you consider sin in a brother or a sister. It's not judging them per se because you're putting them down or putting them in their place. You're judging that what's happening in their life is sinful and you're coming to help them resolve that in their life. I think so often, and we try to talk a little bit between judging and being judgmental there, and I wanted to clarify that. I think so often when we think of judging, we immediately think of being judgmental. And that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying you have to judge what's in their life is sin or sinful uh, there. And it should be easy for those of us that are followers of Christ to pick out what is sin and what isn't 
sin. And when you see that in a brother or sister, be willing to help them, understanding that the way that you judge them in love, judge the sin that's in their life, help them to get out of that, they have the right to come back and judge you. The whole idea here is that this idea of judging is to be able to help one another, okay? And I don't want to go back through that whole lesson again, but I, I thought I'd come back and maybe clarify a little bit if that clarifies it uh, for you uh, there. I, I think that uh, I think just that word judge just really stands out for us as being a harsh, hard word, and I don't, uh, we need to not look at it. We, I think discernment is probably a better word in that, in our vernacular and what we use today in our language. So we talked about that last week. We went through this there. Um, and so today, Jesus brings us back to the topic of prayer. Remember, Jesus is contrasting obeying or disobeying God's will. So in regard to our prayers, and specifically regard to praying for the needs that we have in our life, Jesus gives us a very powerful and wonderful truth here uh, for us. So uh, if you remember in chapter 6, Jesus dealt with prayer. And that we're to pray not to please man, but to please God. We go into our prayer closet and pray, not really knowing what the left hand or the right hand is doing. And he taught us how to pray, giving us that sample prayer. Now he deals with prayer, if you will, or communication with God in the sense of us needing our needs met. Coming to God with our list of things or our needs that we have in our lives that for God to provide for us. And the Bible does tell us very plainly that we are to come to God with the needs we have and ask for Him to provide for us, to help for us. So God, Jesus gives us a beautiful picture of what this looks like. And I want you to remember that Jesus is referring to this uh, as a heavenly father, child, situation. It's a father-child, a parent-child situation here. That's the picture that he's giving here. And so how does God want us to come to him with our requests? Number one in your notes, two words, often and continual. Often and continual. Jesus just begins talking about we're talking about our needs. We're talking about things that we need that we come to God for to supply. Uh, and the Scriptures tell us plainly that God does supply our needs according to His riches and glory. Paul told us that in Philippians. And so Jesus says here, very simple. He uses um, three terms here that mean the same thing. But He says in verse 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. So Jesus gives a very interesting word picture here. The, per, the picture here is of a person who does not give up. A person who asks, a person who seeks, and a person who knocks. And so he gives these three words, asking, seeking, knocking. And what we need to understand here is going back to our grammar now and understanding grammar. Of course, this is in the Greek and understand it in the Greek, but also even in the English. The word ask, the word seek, and the word knock are all in the present tense. So that means literally keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. Got those out of order. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Just keep coming to God with those things. Now, when we hear that, when we see that, and I don't know how your mind works, but the only thing I can think of is the annoying child, right, that just continually comes. 
to you and just give me, give me, give me until you're wore down and you finally give in. And this is not the picture that Jesus is referring to. He's not necessarily meaning that you will be asking over and over again. And really, he's not even talking about the idea that you'll ask over and over again for one simple thing. Now, it can be that. The Bible says that the fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. And there are times where we have things in our life that we're asking God to do that we may have to come to Him on several occasions to ask. And it's not that God is testing you, and it's not that God is not listening to you. God is getting you on His page, and the reality is is that God is probably saying, wait. But the idea is that we continually ask. And what we're going to see here is why we continually ask is because we're putting our trust in Him. And we'll see that as we go a little bit farther uh, down the road here. So there are times where we have to ask for God's provision in an area over and over again. And the idea here is not that we are wearing God down. Here's the thing, just just to let you know a a little secret here. God doesn't wear down, (laughs) right? So... You know, you will never get God to the point where he goes, oh my goodness, all right already, okay, and, 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 and does it because God has perfect eternal uh, patience. You will wear down before God ever wears down, right, okay? But here's the thing. This is not talking about us asking so we wear God down or asking until we're exhausted and God finally does that or anything like that. It's not the annoying uh, child syndrome. The idea here is to consistently bring your requests and needs to God with confidence that He will take care of them in the best way for you. That's That's what He's talking about here. That when you have a need in your life, you have something that is pressing in your life, you have a situation in your life that you come to God and you ask confidently. And the reason why you're asking, you're asking confidently, is not for God to do, but to build your faith. Do you understand that? Do you, do you see that? So you're coming, so you're, you're, you ask, whatever it may be, I don't know what it is, you're asking for something of God, and then you start waning in your faith. You start going, Oh, I don't know. I haven't heard anything. I haven't seen anything. Nothing's really, I, I don't know. And what do you do? You come back to God again, asking again with confidence that he's going to answer so you bolster your faith. So it's the idea here that I asked before and, okay, God's going to take care of it. But as you keep going and going, you're going, oh, I'm questioning, I'm questioning. Come back. Hey, God, we talked about this. I want to ask again. And I'm confident now because I've given it back to you, and I can go a little bit farther. The problem is, though, is that we often wane at times. And what Jesus is saying is that we come back to him to bolster our confidence, knowing that God will answer our prayers in a way that is absolutely best for us. Because Jesus gives us a very wonderful promise here in this verse. And I want you to see what he says. Those who ask, receive. Those who seek, will find. And those who knock, it will be opened. That's what he says here. He says when we come to the Lord and we ask, we will receive. Those who seek, will find. And the idea of that is for us to come to God with confidence in our prayer time. In other words, God will answer your prayers, and He will take care of your requests. However, He will do what is best for you, and He will do it in His time frame, which means 
that his time frame may not be right now. I mean, when we pray and ask God to do something, he does it right now. Woo, we're good. Everything's great. Let's move on. And we love that. But then sometimes God says, no, hold on. Okay, sometimes he says, wait. And when he says, wait, we don't like that that much. I was rushing to get to uh, church here tonight because my daughter, who uh, was, uh, didn't like what we had for supper, and sometimes that happens, she really is into these McChicken sandwiches over at McDonald's. So we swung into McDonald's really quick, and we got her her McChicken sandwich and her drink. But did you know that on Wednesday night when you're late for church, everybody goes to McDonald's? Did you know that? And then when they go to McDonald's on Wednesday night, when you're in a hurry to go to church, everybody has a special order. And, and did you know that that 30 seconds waiting in line to get from the first window to the second window seems a lot longer when you're trying to make sure you're here? On time? We don't like to wait. That's my point. We don't, and really, quite honestly, we don't wait well. So when God says, hey, I've got my time frame that, that's happening it doesn't have to be a long time frame till we're already upset with waiting and we have to come back to God uh, once again. Uh, the commentator, Stuart Weber, uh, explains these verses this way. I love how he says this. With these tenses in mind, as we said, they're present tense there, he says we could translate verses 7 and 8 as keep on asking and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and it will be opened to you. For everyone who keeps on asking will continually receive, and he who keeps on seeking will continually find, and to him who keeps on knocking it will be opened. Okay? So as we continually do this, it's confidence that God will uh, take care of us. So the, the emphasis truly is not on the continual asking. The emphasis is on the continual trusting. Do you see the difference? Okay? So it's not that we're asking, 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 trying to get God to do what we're doing. It's the idea that we're asking to build our trust, asking to build our trust, asking to build our trust and our faith in Him. The idea here is that a child that is confident that their parent or a child that is confident that their parent will do what is the absolute best for, uh, for them. A parent who, you know, we love our children, and we want to give our kids what is absolutely best. And sometimes they ask for something, and we don't give them what they ask for because we want to give them what's better for them, right? We want to, we want to either bless them with something that's, that's better or something that's more appropriate or something along those lines. So remember that when we ask God for something in our life, God is always going to answer our prayers with what is best for us. It may not be even the same idea that we have, but it will be better or best for what we actually need. And kids, then, when they come, they come with no reservation of asking the question. How many of you, as parents or grandparents, have experienced a grandchild or a child coming to you and asking for something? When they come and ask you for something, they don't even come uh, sheepishly or shyly. Or, or They just come to you and say, hey, I want this. Will you get it for me? Right? Just blatantly. And when they ask you that, they are not in any way whatsoever expecting a no. Right? Think about it. When they come to you, you, you they, they say, this is what I want. Get it. Give it to me, coming boldly, confidently. Now, what, what do you do as a parent you, or a grandparent? Sometimes the answer is no, because this isn't good for you, right? I don't want to give this to you because this is not what you need right now. This is not the best thing for you right 
now. Uh, we see this happen all the time, especially with mothers. Grand, grandmothers are a little different sometimes, but with mothers, right? I want candy before I have my supper, right? All mother says, no, you'll, you'll ruin your supper. Grandparents go, no, your mom said no. Here, don't tell her, right? And, and they run off. That's the, that's the grand part of the grandparent uh, side of this. Sometimes your kids come and, and they're not expecting no, and they ask and you say, wait, Okay, we, we will get it, but we've got to get some things in order first before we get to that. And then sometimes it's yes, we will, we will, we will do that there. And God answers in the same um, way there. But the point is, is what Jesus is wanting us to see here, is that when we come to God, we come to God expecting that He will answer our prayers how it is best for us. When we ask, we will receive. We will receive an answer from God. We will receive. When we seek, He will uh, give that to us. He, he, he will, um, we will find. And when, when we knock, uh, He will open. So the idea here is not necessarily that you're going to get your prayer answered the way that you want it answered. What it's really dealing with here is the idea that God never, ever allows your prayer to go unanswered. I know the great theologian, Garth Brooks wrote a song entitled, Thank You, God, for Not Answering My Prayers. But the truth of the matter is that God always answers our prayers. And as a good, perfect Heavenly Father, He always answers our prayers for what is best for us. So when we come to God in prayer, we come continually asking, continually bringing our petitions before Him, expecting that God is going to answer, that He is going to say yes, that He is going to say wait, that He is going to say no. He is going to do what is exactly best for us. And so Jesus actually gives a picture of this. I've already alluded to it, but Jesus gives us this picture. Number two in your notes is earthly parents. So Jesus says, I want you to see how good God is. God does hear your request. God does answer your request. God does listen. You will receive answers to your prayers. Uh, and you will receive blessing. You will receive from God what you need. Okay? And, and he says, and this, let me show you how good God is. Because in verse number 10 he says, Or which one of you talking to us as earthly parents, which one of you, if his son asked for bread, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? And of course, those are ludicrous statements. They're meant to be funny. They're meant to be extreme. I mean, you know, your kid comes to you and says, I want a slice of bread, and you, no, here, chew on this for a little while. Chew on that, that stone. I mean, not only is that it, that. Uh, hurtful, I mean, it also could be deadly if they get a chip of that thing down there. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? Jesus is being as extreme as he could be. He says, your kid wants something to eat. You're not going to give him something that could actually harm him, right? Same thing for a fish. I don't know if this was fish for food or, or they want a goldfish for a pet, maybe kind of a pet. You're not going to give him a pet serpent, right, that's going to bite them and, and, and hurt them. So, so we see here that when they come and ask, Jesus is giving this picture. I, I kind of had this thought as I went into it, and I know you, I just kind of alluded to it there, but my children, all of my children, never ever came to me asking for anything, and I'm talking about anything, scared or sheepishly. They came so boldly, it was almost like a demand instead of an ask, although it was an ask. But remember that with your kids? 
They don't even come up to you. They say, Mom, I want this, or Dad, I want this. And it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't, I mean, it could be a million-dollar thing, and they still want it expecting you to get it for them, you know? And you just laugh at them and go, we can't, we can't do that. We can't do this. Um, so, and that, that's the norm. And, and so this is somewhat of the picture of what Jesus is painting for us. Now, he is not telling us to come to him disrespectfully because we as parents wouldn't accept anything from our children disrespectfully, correct? Uh, and God's the same way. Nor are we just to demand or to declare to God to do something. We wouldn't accept that from our children either. We are to come asking confidently that God will answer our requests positively and provide for us what we need. Why? Because God is a good God. If you ask Him for something that you need, something supplied in your life, He is going to give you something that is going to take care of that need in your life. And, and again, it may not be what you even pray for. It may be better. And we'll, we'll talk about that here for a minute. Jesus uses the logic of good earthly parents to make his point. If your child asked for bread, would you give him a stone? Of course not. If he asked for a fish, would you give him a serpent? Of course not. That's, that's what the answer is, is because those things would hurt them. A good parents, even though they are not perfect, would not do anything to harm their children, but everything they could do to help them, right? And so this brings us to Jesus' final point here. This is exactly what he's saying. He's saying, listen, even, you know, even parents that are sinful, that are not perfect, because God is perfect, you know, so we as parents, we're going to do things wrong by accident, and we're going to do things wrong because we're sinners, and we're not going to get everything right. But God doesn't make any mistakes. God, in what He gives us when we ask for prayer, gives us exactly what is absolutely best for us. We may not understand, but, but He certainly does. And so, brings us to Jesus' final point, number three, our Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, or our Heavenly Father. So Jesus has laid out this premise that if you come to God, He's going to answer your prayer. And He's going to answer your prayer even better than what your earthly parents could, could answer because even your earthly parents want to do good for you because you, uh, they love you. But how much more, he says, if you then, verse 11, who are evil, and the word evil there means sinners, we're all sinners, we, we, evil is the idea that we can't be perfect, all right? It's not that we are intending to be evil, it's that it's the opposite of perfect, right, okay? Um, so if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, so even though you're imperfect, you still know how to take care of your kids in, in a right, good, right way, how much more... Will your Father, can I add to that, how much more will your perfect heavenly Father, is what he's saying here, okay, it's not there, but that's what's implied with Father, who is in heaven, give, you, give good things to those who ask him. And that's the point that Jesus is making. God is perfect. Our heavenly Father is perfect. His love is perfect. His desire for you is perfect. He always wants what is best for you. Do you recognize that? I wonder sometimes if we really grasp this, because I think it's real easy for us to get over to the holiness of God, the justice of God, the judgment of God. I think we're really good at that going, yeah, he's such a holy, holy God, and he's always looking out to find what's, what we do wrong to get us, right? He wants to smash us. 
But that's not what God's talking about. As your heavenly Father, He only wants to see what things are in your life that are wrong so He can correct them, correct them and keep you on the right path. Do you realize that God looks at you with such perfect love that He rejoices in who you are? That He's excited about you? He's ex- Do you remember what He said about Job in the Old Testament? He says the same, same thing about you. Satan comes up to him and says, hey, look at all the bad things Job does. Look at, he's not a good guy. He's not that great of a guy and whatever. And Jesus says, well, what, just consider him. Isn't, you know, isn't he awesome? That's what God says about Job. Isn't my servant Job awesome? And Satan goes, no, 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 he'll sin. If you take this away from him or you take that away from him, you'll sin. And God allows it to happen and stands back with his arms crossed and goes, go for it. Go ahead. Let's see. Right? That's my boy. That's my boy down there, Job. He's going to take care of this thing. It's good. And, and God gives him strength and takes it through. Do you know that God looks at you the same way? That's my child. That's my kid. Right? That's awesome. I love him. I love her. Uh, you know, I, I think the best for them. That was a little bit off my notes. That's just a little bonus for you tonight. But I, re- I really wish we could, I really wish I could. Can I, can I just make this personal? I really wish I could understand how God truly feels when he sees me. Because I'm focused on the sin. I'm focused on the yuck. I'm focused on the stuff that, that brings sorrow to my, to my God. And yes, I should see that. I should confess it. I should get it right. But God doesn't sit up, up there in heaven going, what's Mike going to do today? He's going to mess up again. And I just, I don't, I, I don't know. No, I wake up in the morning. He goes, man, I'm excited to see you. I love you. This is, you're, you're awesome. You are good. You are my child. Yeah, but I mess up. But I love when you do that. Don't you love when you're, I mean, I, we, Paul and I would go home when our kids were little, and if we had a little thing at church where the kids were singing or whatever, I'm talking when they're real little, you know, everybody has their daughter that gets up there and does their does the singing in church, right? And what's the first thing they do? The very first song that sung the little children's choir, what does the little girl do? Her skirt's way over her head already, you know. First thing, right? Isn't that what, you know? And, and every everybody's laughing, thinking it's cute, and the parents are going, oh, no, buddy, you know, all this kind of stuff. But when you go home and you look back at that stuff and you go, man, how, how adorable that is. How wonderful that is. How funny that is. In the moment, you might not be, but God doesn't get that moment of embarrassment, right? When he sees that we sin, his heart is broken because he knows that sin hurts us. But, I, you know, I just really want you to understand that we're so washed in the blood of Jesus Christ that when God looks at us, he sees us in love constantly, and he wants to do what is best for us. And that's just bonus. So, anyways, Jesus contrasts this truth with the love of unperfect, sinful, but loving parents. And the very best that we can do as, as parents for our children is still extremely flawed and not even comparable to what God wants to do and can do. And and I just have to reiterate this. God loves to bless you. He does. God loves to bless you because you're his child, and he loves to provide for your every need, and even above. So I want to draw your attention back to verses 9 and 10, to the questions that were asked. Okay, and the question was asked: If your if your son asked for bread, would you give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would you give him a serpent? Um, implying, uh, so did you notice that God promised that a good parent would give would 
not give their child something that would harm them, implying that at the very least they would give them what they asked for. The very least, they would give him a piece of bread if he asked for a piece of bread. Or at the very least, would give him a, a fish for a pet instead of a serpent or something along those lines because it would be something that they have the ability to give. But listen, if a child asks for bread, even a parent who is not as good as God could give them a sandwich instead of a piece of bread, right? What he's saying here is, uh, what I want you to understand is Jesus gives this picture of if you are a good parent, you will give your child what is good. But even as a sinful parent that is not as perfect as God is, even you will give above what the child asks for, right? So if your kid comes in and says, I want a, a slice of bread, what's sometimes your most immediate response is, uh, the most basic response is, okay, you can have a piece of bread. Would you like butter on it? Would you like jelly on it? Would you like peanut butter on it? Something like that. And, and the kid answers. Um, a lot of times it's even, okay, so if you want that, do you want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Would you like some bologna? Would you like, you know, so you the kid asks and you give it to them. Kid asks for a fish, and instead of just giving them one fish, maybe you give them a little aquarium of fish or something along those lines. The idea is, is that even us as imperfect parents desire to provide and also bless our children, God desires to do the same. The limit is given here only in the fact that He won't harm, but there's no limit given to what God may do above and beyond, and God loves to do that. So the idea here is that God is not bound to give you what you ask, but as your perfect Heavenly Father will give you, at the very least, exactly what you need, but more often than not will bless you greater than you ask. And if we were truly honest with ourselves and we really, really took inventory, and we would think back in our life about the things that we needed at the time we needed them and, and prayed for God to, to bless we would actually go back and look and say, you know what, God actually gave me a little bit more than what I even asked for or gave me something better than what I ever thought I would, I would receive, you know. Um, for example, you ask for a car, you know. Uh, sometimes we go to God and we go, God, I, I just need a car. Will you please give me a car? You know, we're not that specific. And God blesses you with a car that runs, Right? I mean, we just asked for a car, and, and he gives us one that actually runs, you know, one that, that does uh, good, you know, ha has uh, good tires on it and, and, and is, is a safe driving car. You, you see what I'm saying? When we come to God, he not only supplies our needs, but oftentimes God loves to bless above that and do greater. And so this is why Jesus is telling us to confidently go to the Father, asking for God to supply your needs and trusting that he will do so in a way that is always best and oftentimes better than what we ask for. In other words, you can come and you can ask God. You can come and you can seek God. You can come and you can knock. And God will always answer your prayer and he will always answer it in a way that is absolutely best for you and in a way that will bless you. And did you even know this? Even in God's nose, there's usually a greater blessing in the nose than, than, there, than there is if you wouldn't have answered. Meaning this, God often says no to save you from something that would be worse than what you could ever imagine. Right? I mean, there's, there's so many times, there's so many times in people's lives where uh, I've heard them say, you know, I've prayed for this, but it never 
it never happened. But if they look back, if it would have happened, it wouldn't have been right. It wouldn't have been positive. It would have had negative um, ramifications, even though I thought that's what I wanted at that time, you see. And so when we come, we come boldly, confidently, knowing that God is going to do his best, and we continually come seeking the answer for our need, uh, trusting in God so that our faith is strengthened every time that we ask him. We know that he hears us, and he is going to work it out for his perfect good. So the reality here of what Jesus is saying is trust God for all your resources. Confidently bring every request to your heavenly Father, expecting him to provide what is absolutely best in your life. And rejoice, and rejoice in his abundant goodness. So the whole idea here is for us to come and ask, but then also for us to take inventory and remind ourselves how good God actually is, how good he does answer our prayers, okay? So we're going to be dismissed. We're going to finish up here, and then we're going to divide up into uh, groups. Uh, ladies, um, our leader uh, who normally has our ladies group is unable to be with us, so if you ladies will just kind of pick a, a leader uh, to kind of help a- ask and answer questions, we'd appreciate that. Guys, same thing with us. Our illustrious leader was not able to be here tonight, so as we get together, you guys just kind of start talking and going, and uh, we'll have a good time with that as well. So let's pray, and we will move into our groups. Father God, you are so good. You love us so much. It's amazing. It's amazing if we really fully understood your outrageous love for us. That uh, a picture of a good parent loving their child is enough for us to see how greater of a love as a heavenly father you have for us. Help us to learn this, understand this, live in this truth, and confidently come to you, trusting you. Uh, with all of the needs that we have in our life. We love you and we praise you and we thank you for our time tonight. Bless our groups, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.